Hi, welcome to the St Mark's podcast. My name's Tony. And I'm Ben. This week, we're continuing the Life Out Loud series with a talk, What is the Good News? Ben, have you had any good news lately? I have. So a few weeks ago, I was doing CrossFit, which is like the best way of doing the gym ever. You should check it out. And uh, I was doing handstand walks. As you do. As you do. And I fell over kind of into the wall and the floor, picked a fight with both, shoulder lost. Um, So I've been wearing a sling for a bit. Um, Anyway, I went to the hospital today for my checkup, and the doctor's really pleased with my progress. Brilliant. It's healing up well. Anyway, as always, we're going to kick off with worship and then pass over to Matt for the talk. Ben, will you pray for us before we begin? I will. Jesus, thank you so much for this podcast. Thank you for some marks and all that you're doing here. And we pray, would you speak to us through the worship? Would you speak to us through the talk? And uh, thank you for this time just to hear your voice. Amen. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Lead me 
Hello and welcome again to our podcast. I'm Matt and we are in a series called Life Out Loud and today's episode is all about what is the good news. So last week in our episode we started this series and took inspiration from Sir Mark the Evangelist, a man who was on fire for Jesus and scribed Mark's Gospel. More importantly, we looked at why we should tell others about Jesus and the difference Jesus makes in our lives. This Gospel message gospel, uh, being an old English word that literally means good news, is passed on in word and then backed up in our action. And that term evangelism uh, is a term we can sometimes use for passing on this message, and it means just that, telling of the good news. And the good news has continued to go from generation to generation across continents and is at the centre of baptism. Uh, Baptism we were celebrating at St Mark's uh, just this week, in fact, is a reminder that that message has been passed on. Jesus Christ is alive and you can know him. That's at the essence of the gospel. In fact, you can have a personal relationship with the risen Jesus in your life starting today. That is good news worth sharing. That's the essence of it. Jesus is alive. He's at work in the world today and you can know him. And so in baptism, we die with Christ and leave on the cross all our failures and our selfish ambitions, our offences against God and neighbour, what the Bible calls sin, and we start a new life in Christ. It's death to life, darkness to light, a turning away from doing my life my way and trusting Jesus with our lives, renouncing all that is evil in the world and walking in relationship with Christ to discover life and life in all its fullness, John 10.10. The gospel message is both transformative and it's tangible. And it's what 2.3 billion people in the world today are testifying to have experienced, including me. And yet we can struggle to communicate that message in all its beauty and fullness So today, I'd love to help us understand a little more what exactly is the good news. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you've spoken to someone and you thought that they were someone else? Or maybe someone's approached you and thought that you were someone different. 
It's rather like the time I was in um, W. H. Smith, and I was approached by a customer who asked for some help to locate some ring binders. And I thought, I looked at my watch and thought, do you know what? I've got a bit of time. I'll, I'll go help them find those ring binders. So off I go, and uh, we locate them, and you know, they, they find the ring binder. It's, it's fine. And as I finish, I, I turn around, and an elderly lady is standing there waiting for me. And uh, she presents me with uh, the name of her printer and asks if I could help locate some printer ink for her. So I'm thinking, okay, sure. Uh, so I get my phone out. I start. I start googling. Uh, I find the right ink for her printer. I locate it in the shop, and uh, she's quite happy. So anyway, I, I pick up the biros that I need, and I'm I'm sort of starting to move towards the till and think I better get out of here pretty quickly. And uh, and as I do, a final customer stops me, approaches me, and asks if I can process a refund for them. Um, and I said, unfortunately, as I don't actually work here, you're going to need to go to the till and ask someone else to help you. And uh, what was strange about that is they were actually annoyed with me for not being able to do it. And that was the last time that I went to W. H. Smith dressed in blue chinos, a blue shirt, and a blue jumper, uh, because I just blended in with the rest of the staff. And the problem I've got is that most of my clothes are navy blue, um, so I've had to start shopping in Ryman instead to uh, save time. I do like to be helpful, but three people assumed I worked there, uh, assumed I knew about the location of stock, the compatibility of printer ink, and how to work the till. But I really had no such knowledge, only instinct and a willing spirit, as far as I could try to help. We can make similar assumptions when it comes to talking about and understanding the Christian faith and the good news gospel message. What I mean is when we talk to people about God, we might assume that we share the same understanding of the character and personality of God. Yet people outside and within the church can have a very different way of thinking about God. And we need to be mindful of this when we start conversations around God stuff and faith. It's not just a case of whether a person believes in God, but what sort of God they believe in. I mean, if each of us had a, a little slip of paper and a pen and had to write a simple definition about God, we should be able to write something about the God we either believe in or the God we don't believe in or the God we think may or may not exist. So if you believe in God, you even if you're not sure what God is like exactly, you could write all sorts of things. You might write that God is creator, God is in control, God is loving, or God is a DJ, according to Pink, or whatever else. And um, what people can end up doing is forming a construct of God that we like. To paraphrase the great 17th century thinker Blaise Pascal, God created man in his own image, and man has been returning the compliment ever since. Or if you don't believe in God, you've come to some informed conclusion about the God you heard about or studied in order to reject that notion. So you might end up saying things like, the God I don't believe in is mean, or starts wars, or is absent, or not interested in my life. And the chances are most believers would agree with you, this God doesn't exist. So it's helpful to know first and foremost that when we talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we are talking specifically about the involvement of a certain particular God and not just a personal construct formed from personal preference. The God we're talking about is the God who formed us as the masterpiece of his creation in his likeness. And when sin deformed us and separated us from God, he is the God who came to live as one of us 
in the person of Jesus Christ, in his incarnation. Jesus literally means God saves. And this God has come to save us in Jesus Christ, delivering us from disorder and death, the deformation of sin, through his self-substitution. He died in our place for our failings, for our sin, on the cross. And his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven confirms and declares his victory over sin and death, which no longer keeps us from a relationship with God. And what's amazing is that we can know this God. We can know him and grow in our knowledge of him. John 1 verse 12 tells us that to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's that personal. This is the God of the gospel. And this is really key. The good news isn't a concise message to simply be passed on. If it was, I could just get a Jesus is alive and you can know him t-shirt. And for Christians, we can get so worked up trying to know what to say exactly that we end up backing off in fear of getting it wrong or being confused or being rejected. And we don't actually get to share the most transformative experience of our lives. And for those who are exploring faith or wouldn't call themselves Christians, you may be asking, does any of this belief lead to any change that I'd want for myself? I mean, if Jesus is real, then is he actually good news for my life? So what if it's true? What if there is a gospel message that will transform your life? And what difference could this make in your life and in the lives of those around you? Well, let me show you why it's more than just believing in a statement. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. In fact, I'll paraphrase the first part and start at verse 22. Acts of the Apostles or perhaps we should call it Acts of the Holy Spirit, is our first account of life in the Spirit for the masses, the life of the early church. And this account gives us a great insight into how the gospel is communicated in the circumstances in which it's set. And so here we have the Apostle Paul and his partner in mission, Silas, going about, and this is what happens. So we, we pick up Paul and Silas have been out performing miracles in Jesus' name, setting people free from oppression in Jesus' name. And not everyone likes it. In fact, Paul and Silas are accused of causing uproar and they're sent to prison. And so we pick up in verse 22. This is what it says. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in the house. At the hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. 
who was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Okay, I'd admit this isn't a usual day-to-day scenario for us, but I'm going to use it as an example because there is a significant moment where the gospel is proclaimed and transformation follows. And to understand the full impact of the gospel, we need to look at it as having three dimensions. I wonder whether you've ever set out to climb a mountain or a steep hill. I guess we have more steep hills where we live, certainly in Lincolnshire. There are a couple of hills, but not many. But when you, you arrive to start your, uh, your walk and you're standing in the car park at the bottom, you get one perspective of the mountain or the hill. But as you climb and then as you get to the summit and later start your descent and so forth, you get to see the mountain at different perspectives, uh, from multiple perspectives. As well as visual perspectives, there's an emotional perspective, that mountaintop moment, and then a mental perspective as memories are made. A physical perspective, muscles are strengthened. The perspectives are many and they are multi-sensory. And we need to look at the gospel through different perspectives too. And we might say that it has three dimensions. I'm going to unpack these a little bit to help us grasp what the three dimensions of the gospel start to look like. So the first of our dimensions we might say, or might call, the historic or doctrinal dimension. Put simply, it's the true story of Jesus' life, death and resurrection as told in the scriptures. And the historic doctrinal dimension changes what you believe. It's intellectual, it's up here in our heads. It's historically evidenced and it's to be received as truth, as orthodox. It's not a pick a mix sort of theory. And it's actually where we start to get our creeds from. One of the creeds that perhaps we know well within the life of the church is the Apostles' Creed. And this is a sort of historic doctrinal dimension to the gospel. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and so forth. And so here we have the gospel as rooted in events that are rooted in history. This is the life, death and resurrection of Christ. And if we take a passage like Acts 4 verse 12, for example, let me read that. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. We find that it demands a response. It is a gospel that is to be received or rejected. It's pretty black and white or else it's pluralistic pick and mix religion, which has no roots. But this does have roots. And yet what we find about this dimension of the gospel is is that it's centred on Christ, a person, a person to be worshipped. This is Jesus who made a way for humanity to be reconciled to God, brought back into relationship with God. And so Jesus is the focus of the scriptures and of the Christian faith. It's centred on Christ and what he has done for us. And what we believe about God, our orthodoxy, has to be true if our practice is also to be changed. Or else, what comes next, the personal dimension, is just a religious slog driven by ourselves and will soon run out of puff. So the first dimension, historic doctrinal, is important, but we need to take another dimension on board for it to take root in us. So the second dimension we might say the gospel has is the personal dimension. And this personal dimension changes who we are. It moves from what's up here in our heads and actually starts to affect us here in our hearts. 
So the gospel changes who we are. In the very beginning, God made us in his image and he called us good. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Well, it all goes badly wrong. It all gets messed up and everyone ends up being born into this fallen state, this broken world. Uh, And they fall into sin. What is sin? Sin is the difference between what you are and what you might have been. The perfect you in God's Eden and your shortcomings. And when we start to face up to this dimension, the personal dimension, we realise that the gospel is offensive. It's offensive in the way that it tells us that we are rebellious, that we're sinful and that we need to change. It's not a popular message within our Western culture. Most people will agree that they need to change a few things, but the human condition is perhaps harder to admit. It's not a popular message or else People get swamped in their inadequacy uh, to live life with any value. And so they need to know that Jesus can make all things new. It's one thing to say, I never fall short. I've never sinned. I'm, I'm fine. I have no shortcomings. It's another thing to say that I'm a complete failure. My life's falling apart and there's no hope. Actually, Jesus can make all things new. And the gospel tells us that We need to come to grips first with our fallen state and then to receive the grace of God and allow him to change us and to set us free. It's God who changes us, not us who change ourselves. It's not done by our own efforts. And so the gospel becomes an announcement of this invitation to change, not by our works, but by God's mercy. And the thing is, we can only change when the spirit of God makes us new. And baptism is an outward sign of this inward grace. Another image is this. We enter into relationship with God and we are adopted into his family. Ephesians 1 verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And so we come into God's family. We're adopted into the family and we start to take on the family likeness. And and the Bible says we're born in the spirit, born by the spirit. And we start to bear the fruit of the spirit. And there goes this ongoing, continual transformation. The gospel is personal and it changes us. So that's the personal dimension. The third dimension I want us to look at is the cosmic dimension of the gospel, the cosmic. And this changes mission and it changes where you live. Because Jesus has overcome the world and evil in the world. He pushes out injustice and poverty and he makes all things new god's reign brings justice and peace and reconciliation and and so forth so this is about the gospel moving on beyond just us but changing the world around us too it's so much more so how do we move on beyond believing and just belonging to christ well we are told to go to go and reach others And we start to join in God's mission. And this brings a spiritual transformation. There's a a spiritual hunger out there. And, And again, this forms a great culture, a kingdom culture. And it redeems social ills, all that's messed up in the world. Jesus reads out from Isaiah 61. We find this in Luke chapter four. This is what he says. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The gospel 
should encourage us to serve the poor, to stand for injustice, to protect the weak. The gospel renews all things and one day will be completed at the return of Christ, the kingdom of God in all its fullness. Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I make all things new. And that's the beauty of the cosmic gospel. It makes all things new. It's beyond just us. It heals and restores our planet too. And these are just three ways of looking at the gospel whole. And the gospel, in its many dimensions, comes into play at a critical moment for the jailer in our Acts 16 passage. The jailer has this near-death experience when the earthquake hits. He'd have been a dead man anyway for letting the prisoners escape. But he's asking a deeper question here with eternal consequences. In verse 30, we read, the jailer cries out, what must I do to be saved? There's this personal reaction to this historic dimension of the gospel. What does Paul say? He says, believe and you will be saved. Verse 31. Now, when we think of that word believe here in the Western world, we think of it in one dimension. We think of it as sort of intellect, head knowledge. But believe here is to believe the gospel in all its dimensions. Head, heart, whole life transformation. Belief is transformative. And as we read verse 32, we might start to get frustrated for not giving us the gospel in black and white. Then they, Paul and Silas, spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. What I'd like to know here is what exactly did they say? What are the most important bits? Perhaps the reason the writer of Acts doesn't go into detail is because the gospel cannot be summed up in a sentence. It has to permeate our whole being. It's multi-sensory. It has to land in our heads, our hearts, and be allowed to change our entire being. And whilst there's some level of explanation required, it's the work of God himself through his Holy Spirit that allows us personally to understand the gospel enough to receive it and allow it to transform us. Belief is transformative when it moves from head to heart and heart to action. Baptism, as we have seen in the life of the church, is this outward demonstration of what it means to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says to the jailer, believe and you will be saved, verse 31. And the onward response of the jailer and his household is to be baptised into the death and resurrection of Christ. The gospel ultimately requires a response, it requires a decision on our part. Firstly, to believe, believe in Jesus Christ and his message, turning away from our sins and placing our trust and confidence in him. Secondly, receive, receive Jesus into our life by the Holy Spirit who strengthens our faith in thought, word and action. We can ask for that at any point. We're going to pray for that in just a moment. And thirdly, follow. Follow Jesus in every area of our life because we're now part of his new creation and belong to his family. So what is that response, decision? Believe, receive, follow. The gospel is multidimensional, multisensory, transformative because it brings us into relationship with Jesus who is alive today and we can know him. So what do you need to do with the gospel now? Perhaps you need to take a first step to find out more. And can I encourage you to join Alpha? Uh, You can join Alpha with us in Grimsby on Wednesdays at 10am or 7pm or Alpha online as well. 
uh, or wherever you are listening in, there's going to be an alpha near you as well. Go and explore. Go and find out more. Perhaps you need to take a step of faith and respond with a decision to follow Jesus. Believe, receive and follow. And you'll know this because the spirit will be prompting you in your heart. Uh, When you ask, you'll know you need to do something a little bit more. Or perhaps you simply need the courage to truly share the good news that you found and tell others in word and action. So what is it for you? What's your next step? Ultimately, if we want to share this life transforming message with others, and and if it's real, why wouldn't we? Then we each need to play our part in helping others discover this for themselves. Like Paul and Silas, when we join in God's mission in the world around us, we're going to have opportunities to bring others to encounter the love of God, a greater love, to see the church released to live for Jesus, a greater life, and then be filled with the spirit to go and see an altogether greater Grimsby, a greater nation. It's when we each play our part in being carriers of the gospel that we see Alpha filling up because we want to bring others to come and see, come and hear. Not only that, we'll see the church growing because there's an increased confidence to invite others to come and see and encounter the love of God for themselves. We'll also see everyday faith being lived out across our community in Grimsby and beyond because personal belief isn't just personal knowledge, but it's multidimensional. It's a multidimensional gospel that results in a lifestyle that radiates from our scattered lives and gives the evidence that Jesus really is alive and at work in the world today. So come and encounter afresh the message of the gospel in all its transformative beauty and be united with Christ in his resurrection life. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, by one spirit we are all baptised into one body. That is Christ's church, the big family of God where we are children of the same heavenly father. That's the invitation of the gospel and it changes lives. I'd love to pray for you wherever you find yourself listening to this. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh and allow us to take that next step to receive the gospel for ourselves and be carriers of the gospel into the world around us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. Thank you that it is written down, historic, passed on, but it is also deeply personal. Thank you that your calling is for each one of us, but it doesn't just stay there. It changes the world around us too. We just ask now that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Come and meet us just where we're at and show us what needs to change for us how we might come more fully alive. So would you come, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the St Mark's podcast. We'd love to hear from you. To get in contact, please email hello at stmarksgrimsby.org.uk. And to keep in touch with everything that's going on in the week, check out our socials. We're on Insta and Facebook. Just search at St Mark's Grimsby. Catch you at the next one. Bye. Bye.